Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our church's podcast. This week's sermon is from our series Alpha and Omega. To learn more information about Sturkey Hills, you can find us at sturkey.church. Oh, and don't forget to hit subscribe to our podcast so that you can always stay up to date with our latest messages. We're so thankful for all that God has been doing in the life of our church and the part that you play in it. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day. God is good. And that is the God that we're going to look at today who wants a relationship with you. You see, last week, Joel asked a question, what are you waiting for? And I'm asking you that today, what are you waiting for? But I want to look at what you struggle with in the process of beginning your journey of following God. There are times in your life where you feel that God has called you to go somewhere. He's called you to do something but you see this great divide that you can't cross and you know God wants you over there, but you see this gap you can't cross. And so you're holding yourself back saying, I'm not able to get over there, God. I'm not able to get to the place you want me to go. And so today I wanna show you in Exodus chapter three that God reveals to Moses, it's never been about your ability. It's never been about what you can and cannot do. It's always and will always be about God and what God can do through your life. And so I remember when I was in middle school, right, which is already an insecure time in life going through middle school. It's just a rough period of time. And I remember insecurities work in such funny ways and how they can hold you back. One day I had this crush on this girl and I remember I was walking beside her and she looked over at me and with no asking or no reason, she just looks at me and says, you look goofy. And in my mind, I'm like, whoa, 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 how do I not look goofy? Like, how do I change that about me? Like, what do you mean I look goofy? And for years, it took me to figure out, like, okay, no, she was wrong. That's not the proper voice. But I was insecure about my looks for a long time. And then it got to the point to where I had to find that confidence. You see, I had to have confidence in something to be able to go and go talk to Marie, who's now my wife. I had to have confidence to go and change what someone else had put in my life, the insecurities that were put in my life. And I want you to know that there are times in your life where you become very insecure about what God has called you to do. There are paths that he asks you to go down that you look at and you say, I can't climb that mountain, God. Or there's, there's valleys he wants you to go through so dark and scary, but he's like, and you look at him like, I can't do that, God. But God wants you to know it's not about what you can and cannot do. It's always been about what he can do through you. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at how Moses was hearing the word of God from the wrong perspective. I want to change your perspective of who you are. And I'm not here to give you a self-help message of being like, I'm amazing or anything like that. I want you to have a perspective that takes God's word instead of focusing it on yourself. I want you to focus back on who God is and who God reveals himself to you. And so in Exodus chapter three, verse one, it says that Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. Now you have to understand, Moses for the past 40 years had been working for his father-in-law, Jethro. But 40 years before working for his father-in-law, he'd been raised in Egypt in Pharaoh's house. And it was a miracle how he got there in a basket down a river, picked up by Pharaoh's daughter to be raised by Pharaoh. But 
The crazy thing was one day Moses sees his people, the people of Israel, a taskmaster was beating one of his brothers, one of his fellow men, and he was treating him harshly. Moses, in the spur of moment, goes to rescue his fellow, uh, fellow brother, his Israel, the people, his people. He goes to rescue his brother, but in that process, he ends up murdering the taskmaster. And the next day when Moses is out there, the people of Israel, they're arguing with each other. And they look at Moses when Moses is trying to stop them. I'm like, who are you? Are you just going to murder us too? And Moses knew that the consequences of his actions were going to come against him. He even says that Pharaoh was seeking to kill Moses. And so Moses fled to Midian where he runs into Jethro and marries Jethro's daughter. And he spends 40 years hiding out in the wilderness, shepherding a bunch of sheep. That's what he spends 40 years doing. And so Moses, while he's out in the field one day, tending to the sheep, says he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, and he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses' question is good. He looks at God and he's asking him, who am I? And our first point is, I am not. And what I mean by that is, when we ask God, who am I that you would choose me to go about doing this thing, this thing you've called me to do, we can't do the things of God. Our abilities are not good enough and strong enough and wise enough to bring about God abilities, God-like things. And so Moses is asking God, he's like, who am I that I should go do this great thing for you? Who am I that you would choose me? I'm the murderer. I'm the coward who fled to Midian. Why would you choose me? Who am I to go in your name? Who am I? And it's so true how we view the word of God. Whenever God speaks to us through his word, we look at it and we put the focus back on ourselves. When we read the Bible, it's very tempting for us to read God's word and make ourselves the hero of the story. They make ourselves the center of God's story. 
And this is what Moses is doing. God is talking to Moses and Moses is seeing himself as the hero for God, that he's the one that's going to make this happen. He keeps focusing in and looking inward at himself. He's staring at a mirror, thinking that everything revolves around Moses. And whenever we do that, whenever we focus on ourselves, we always are going to see that we can't do the things of God. We're going to see that we're not good enough and strong enough. We're not righteous enough and holy enough. We're going to see our lack and our inability to cross that gap that we're talking about, to get from here to there, to go to where God has called us to go. And so Moses, right, he's changing the word of God. He's focusing in on himself, and he goes on, right? He says, God responds to Moses, his response to him, which in our day and age, you would think it would be some like encouragement or self-help motivational speech that God would give Moses to give him confidence. That's not what happens. In fact, when you see what God says to Moses in verse 12, it says, he said, but I will be with you and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain, right? God doesn't look at Moses and he's like, Moses, you are incredible. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Moses, you have so much strength and wisdom and power. I've chosen you because of those things. I've chosen you because of your abilities. That's not what God says to Moses. God's response to Moses when he asks, who am I that you would call me and send me? God's response is, I am with you. I am sending you. I am going to make this happen. You see, our lives and our self-confidence can completely change if we'll just refocus our perspective for life that is not about us and has never been about us, but it's always been about God and who God is. But you see, Moses, he can't do this, right? He continues to ask, who am I? Why would you choose me? I'm not good enough. And that's why I want you to know confidence does not come from a better self-assessment. And what I mean is confidence doesn't come from you seeing your abilities and knowing how good they can be. That's never where you will find confidence. You'll never come into material things. It's not in looking a certain way or being a certain way. Confidence, the confidence that calls you to be a David that can slay a giant with a a stone, or the confidence that makes you a man who can walk on water, that doesn't come from your ability. That comes from having a clear view of who God is. That's where your confidence should be understanding who God is. But you see, God's looking at Moses like, Moses, stop looking at Moses. You're Moses. That's all you will ever be is Moses. But look at me. I am the one that's going to make this happen. Moses, look at God. Look at me, right? Haven't you heard the stories? I revealed myself as the God of your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Did you not hear what I did through their lives? Why are you so concerned about what's going to happen? Did you not see the miracles I brought in their lives? Was it about them or was it about me, Moses? And so Moses, he says to God in verse 13, he says, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? You see what Moses is asking? And what he's showing with this question? God, I don't know who you are. Who should I tell them? has sent me. Who are you? Who are you that's sending me? Because I'm not going to be good enough to do what you've called me to do. And so Moses has turned it back, and he's showing his lack of understanding of who God is, and knows that's where we will always find the words in our life. 
I can't. When you think everything's about you, you're always going to run across the I can't statement in your life. There's that place where you'll say, I can't be a good enough parent because. I can't be a good enough boss because. I can't be a good enough friend because. I can't do these things that God has called me to do because. Because you continue to say, I am not, and you leave it at that. You start and you look at your say, and you say, I am not enough. And it's never going to be enough, God. So I can't. And that comes from understanding that you are not enough. But, you know, confidence comes from understanding how much bigger God is and who he reveals himself as to Moses, right? It doesn't come from convincing God to make you better. Self-confidence, the faith that you have, confidence and faith, doesn't come from reading the Bible and making your abilities better, right? I'm going to give more to the church. I'm going to pray more, read more. It doesn't come from your abilities. Spiritual confidence is not in your ability. It's in our understanding who God is. And what I mean is God is the all-omnipotent, all-powerful God who can never fail, You see, when you sit there and say, I'm going to fail, God wants you to know it's not about you. It's about me working through you. And can I fail? I can't fail. So who are you looking at to be the hero of your story? When there's a thing that you want to get across where God's called you to be, are you trying to say, I will make this happen so I can get the glory? Or are you going to lay yourself down and say, I know that if God calls me to do this, God will make this happen. That's the difference between making the word of God about your life or making it about God revealing him who he is and his purposes to your life. It's all about changing our perspective, right? Our professors say the Bible is like a map for your life. It's not a map that you use to to get to your purposes and your desires. You don't use the Bible to get your education to be better. You don't use the Bible to make your sickness go away. You don't use the Bible to increase your ability. You read the Bible to see who God is and his purpose and his will for your life. That's why God has given us his word. And this is what God is doing in this moment to Moses. He's revealing himself to him. And so I once heard a pastor say, it's only when you come to the awareness of who God is will you ever truly know who you are. So long as you continue to walk through life not knowing who God is, you will feel lost, you will be lost, and you'll always struggle with confidence. Confidence about everything you're going to face because you'll always only know that you're not good enough. But that's the key. I am not, but the second point is, but I know I am. And the I am is the Jehovah name that God reveals to Moses right here, right? See, Moses said, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said this, and he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. You see, in life, there's always going to be instances where we're going to come across something God has called us to do, and he wants you to recognize that it's never been about you, but it's been about you believing who God is and what he can do through you. So I wonder, when you're walking through life, Are you just stuck with saying, I am not? Are you able to walk confidently through whatever you face to say, but I know I am? And let me reveal what that means, right? Revealing what it means to know who God is, knowing who God is, right? In that moment, when God reveals that I am named to Moses, 
He's telling him, my name's not a name that you're used to. I'm not like you, Moses. I'm not like anything you've ever seen, right? The name means to exist, the existent one, right? The I am, it means to be. So I'm not like anything you've ever seen before, Moses. I don't, I don't have anywhere I'm going and I'm not, I didn't come from anywhere. I'm eternal, Moses. Don't you see this burning bush? Aren't you standing before this burning bush, Moses? What's so special about the burning bush? It's self-sustaining. Moses, I don't need anything. I am self-sustaining. I'm infinite and I'm eternal. Moses, that is who has called you. That is who is sending you. And that is who is calling you to go and be a vessel for my kingdom. So I wonder, when God calls you to bring about his purposes and his will, do you understand that God's not gonna send you on a path that's going towards his purpose and his will to send you to fail? God will never call you to fail especially if it's going towards his path and his purpose for your life. Because God will bring about the God things in your life. What I mean by that is, you see, the wrong perspective of Moses is he's continuing to look in the mirror saying, I am not. And I I remember, um, like, what does everyone do before they walk out of their house? They look in a mirror. When you wake up in the morning before you go to school, you look in a mirror. Why do you look in a mirror? So you can make sure you don't have some like green stuff stuck in your teeth. Make sure your hair doesn't look like you just got out of bed. It makes it, you're looking for the imperfections to make sure you don't look imperfect. But the problem is, the longer you stare in a mirror, the more flaws you're going to find. The longer you stare in a mirror, the more flaws you are going to find. And this works for your soul. The more you stare at yourself and the more you look at who you are, the more flaws you're gonna find, the more inability you're gonna find in your life, and the more that gap that is lying before you is going to increase because you're gonna continue to say, I can't and I'm not enough, I can't and I'm not enough, and I'll never be able to get to where God has called me to go. But that's what's wrong. You need to stop looking in the mirror and you need to start looking at who God is. See, God revealed himself as the I am. And, you know, when you change your perspective of noticing that you're not the hero or the center of God's story, but God is using you in his story, when you change your perspective of that, did you know that God will change your past, not just your present and your future? He will change your past too. See, what was Moses doing for the previous 40 years? Well, up to that point, Moses felt like he was fleeing He was hiding as a coward, and that was it. That's how Moses felt his life was for the past 40 years. But did you know that that 40 years was a training ground that God used to go for the next 40 years to lead his people, his flock, his sheep through the wilderness for another 40 years? That what was once when Moses' eyes, a waste of time, has now become the training ground that God used to send him to lead his people. Having the perspective of God that can... That, that the whole thing of your life, everything in your life, even the brokenness, having that perspective, it can change everything about who you are. It can give you so much confidence, not because you think you're better, because you know how incredible and powerful and good God is, that he can take a broken story and he can make it something that shares his glory. He can take the most broken things to show his glory. That's why when the scripture, when you read through the Old Testament, and I love the song that we sing often, it's called Broken Vessels. God loves to use broken vessels. You know why that is? 
It's because when a broken vessel shows God's glory, it's not because of how beautiful and how put together they were. It's because through the brokenness, there was more opportunity for God to reveal his glory through it. So if you're standing here today and you're saying like, I'm not good enough, I've sinned too much, I'm held back, I got too much guilt, I can't do this, I want you to know that David was a murderer. I want you to know that Moses is a murderer, right? And he's being called to be used by God. Rahab was a prostitute and he was called, or she was called to be used by God. You can go down through all the Old Testament characters. Samson, he was the most selfish dude in scripture. He only cared about himself. But every time these broken vessels aligned themselves and gave themselves to God's plan and God's purposes, God did something beautiful and incredible through their lives. And I'm telling you today, you can walk out of here in confidence knowing that God can do something beautiful and incredible in your life, but it's not a matter of how broken or how put together you are. It's a matter of whether or not you will hand yourself to God and be part of his story. You see, Moses, right, he was not okay with not being okay. I tell my students all the time, you need to be okay with not being okay. You need to be okay with being broken. Because we get so caught up looking in the mirror, the more we look at our brokenness, the more we say, God can't use this broken thing. But I always want you to know that God chooses to use the broken because the more weak and the more broken you are, the more God can reveal himself through that story. Not for your glory, but for his glory. That's why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29, he says, for consider your calling, brothers, but not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. So Paul just called them stupid. Not many of you were powerful, so you were weak. Not many of you were noble, so you're just average people. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not. Are you sitting here today saying, I am not? Because Paul says, God chooses the I am nots to bring to nothing the things that are. You see, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So when you're standing there saying, I'm not good enough, I can't make it across there, I want you to know that's a wrong perspective. You have a good understanding of who you are, but you have a bad understanding of who God is. See, God revealed himself to Moses as Jehovah, I am to be, right? That name he gives to him. Did you know in the Bible, in the Old Testament, God, that name Jehovah is used 6,519 times. Now, in that name, God actually reveals the gospel in his own name. And what I mean by that is God reveals the good news to his people, right? Every time his children, the people of Israel, had a need, God says, Jehovah, I am, and he places the need of his children beside his name. What I mean by that is when the children of God, when Israel was sick, right, when they were sick, God revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord that heals. So I wonder, are you stuck in a position where you are sick and you can't be healed? Well, let me ask you, do you know who God is? Because he is the Lord that heals. What about, you know, when God's children, they struggled with following God's law, right? God, I'm not good enough to follow your commandments. I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing. You know who God revealed himself to his children as? He said, I am Jehovah Sidkenu, which means the Lord our righteousness. Do you feel broken and not good enough to be in God's life, in God's plan? Well, it's okay. 
because God reveals himself to you as your righteousness, the Lord, our righteousness, right? When you feel alone, God reveals himself as Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. When God's children were lost, he revealed himself. And you see in Psalms 23 that Paul, or David talks about it. He says that God is Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord, my shepherd. When God's children were stuck and they felt that there was no way out of their circumstance, when they felt that there was a divide that they were called to get to and they couldn't get there, God reveals himself as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that will provide, the Lord my provider. When God's children face affliction, when they were beaten down, and in Jeremiah, if you ever read the book of Jeremiah, God's children, God's people, Israel, was so beaten down, it was awful. There was no hope in their lives. And they needed someone. They needed strength. They needed confidence to continue moving. God reveals himself as Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of armies. You see, my question for you is, do you know God? Because when you say, I can't, and you're trying to bring about God's will for your life, you don't understand who God is. You don't say, I can't anymore. Because when we get to the New Testament, right, the I am names do not end in the Old Testament, but they make their way to Jesus. You see, God was talking about all of Israel's uh, physical needs. Well, Jesus comes into the picture in the New Testament, and he talks about your spiritual needs. You see, Jesus continues those I am statements. And when we get to the position where God's children spiritually hunger for more, God says, I am the bread of life. When they thirst for more, he says, I am the everlasting water. When they are hopeless, Jesus says, I am your everlasting hope. When they feel like they are being afflicted by their enemies, Jesus revealed himself as I am your defender. Jesus reveals himself as the door, the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am your righteous covering. I am your defense, your fullness. And when God's children feel like their souls were completely cold and dead, Jesus says, I am your resurrection. Do you see what's going on here? When God reveals who he is to you, he's trying to take your attention away from your notness and put it to his fullness. Wherever you lack, God is pointing you saying, it doesn't matter how much you lack and how broken you are because I am, I am, I am, meaning I am everything yet you are not. And so when we get to this when we think about our souls, our salvation, it goes so far as you'll never be able to save yourself. And I mean that not to belittle you, but I mean this to encourage you. You will never be good enough to do God things. Only God can do the God things of this world. And so you can't save yourself. So you know what Jesus did for you? Because we were so lacking in ability, Jesus died on a cross for you so that you could become righteous, meaning he paid your debt of sin so that you could be seen as guilt-free, holy, pure, and the righteous children of God, right? That's why Paul says in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. When he's saying I have been crucified with Christ, every area of your life that you lack every area of your life that is insufficient, every area that is not good enough, that was put to death. Every brokenness of your life, every piece that is messed up, that was put to death. 
It was put to death. And that's why Paul says, I was, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So literally, Paul is telling you that when you go through life, you can literally say with full confidence, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because it's no longer your strength and your ability you are living by. It is the strength and the ability of Christ that is working through your life. You want to know how you have confidence? How you can have confidence? By admitting, I am not, but I know I am. That is how you can walk out of here today, being a David in this world, meaning you can be the weakest of all the brothers. You can be the weakest and just a little shepherd boy on a hillside. But it doesn't matter your ability. As long as God is working through your life, he can take down the giant with a stone. You can be a murderer and a coward like Moses, and it doesn't matter what your abilities are and what your brokenness was, but you can be the man that stands before a sea and watch God work through you to split the sea. It's all a matter of perspective. Are you gonna take your focus off yourself and put it back on God, or you can continue to say, I am not? See, true confidence comes from knowing who God is right? Jesus became sin, who know, or Jesus, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, right? You can stand before God fully confident, right? Because where you might not be righteous enough, Jesus is our righteousness, and that Jesus lives through you, and he works through you. You see, you might be one who is facing great afflictions, but it's okay because the Lord of armies, that Jesus He's living through you and he's working through you. You see, you might be lost and confused as to what your path is for life. Well, guess what? Jesus is the good shepherd and the good shepherd is living inside of you and working through your life. Now, the sad thing is, is that Moses, he fails to see the fullness of God's name and how God revealed himself to him. In fact, Moses goes on to say that, well, they're not going to believe the signs I do. They're not going to believe who I am. And that I'm not good with speech. And it's not, I'm just not good enough. And at the very end of this back and forth between him and God and continuing to take God's word and making himself the hero, but understanding that he's not good enough to be the hero, he finally looks at God and says, you know what? I'm not enough, God. Send someone else. And that's not what I want you to do. I don't want you to see what God's called you to do in your life and say, I'm not enough, God. I can't do this. I can't defeat this. I'm not strong enough or power enough. I want you to walk out of here today, whatever it is, standing there in full confidence to be able to say, I know I'm not enough, but I know I am and that I am lives through me and he works through me. That I am is the creator of the heavens and earth. He is my righteousness. He is my strength and he is my hope. He is my wise counselor. He is inside of me and works through my life. And I remember when I was in seminary, I had a professor um, that I was giving a, a sermon for. And it was one of those classes, it was a preaching class for a youth ministry. And I remember um, I had developed this whole sermon on the good shepherd. 
And I was so excited about, I felt like I had like, by the best of my ability, created something that, you know, my professor would be excited about and love. And so I share my message and give it all. And at the end of this time, which is already nerve wracking because you have seminary students who are staring at you trying to like critique your message. They ask you to critique um, the people's messages. And so you're standing there before the classroom and your professor's sitting front and center and he's sitting there with his notepad and he's just staring at it with a pen and he's just tapping it. And in that moment, I felt so small, right? I went from feeling like, man, I did this incredibly awesome thing, like I'm gonna get recognition, like it's gonna be great, to the feeling like I have failed miserably and I'm about to fail this class and it's awful. And the professor's standing there and he just... He finally looks up at me and he goes, your message, it was okay. The points, okay. All in all, okay. You, I don't think you'll ever be a preacher. I don't think you'll ever be a pastor. You might want to reconsider your calling. In that moment, I just found the biggest gap of my life. Right? I just spent years saying, God has called me to go into ministry. I just spent two years of seminary studying the word of God and deepening my faith and trying to figure out how I can be a better preacher. I spent all this time, and here I have someone of authority in my life look at me saying, you can't do it. And I just saw this gap that I was like, I will never be able to cross that. But I want you to know, several years later, I heard a message about the great I am. And I heard a message about how it doesn't matter who you are. God takes the least of these to do the most powerful things through them. You could be the worst preacher. Did you know that Paul, the apostle Paul, that he actually wasn't that great of a preacher? He even says it himself. I'm not good with words. To the point to where he was so boring where he preached, someone fell and died, all right? Like, he was a boring preacher. And he even says, I'm not good with words. But we look at the life of Paul you know what changed Paul from being a not good preacher to being the greatest missionary and theologian and weapon for God's kingdom? It was this simple phrase, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Meaning, I am not, but I know I am. So my question for you today is what is it in your life that you have in that gap that you say, it's, I'm not enough to get past this? See, at the bottom of your outline, I have these, these two more things written out for you. The first one is, I am not with a blank. And I wonder, what is it that you put in that space? I'm not wise enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not good enough. What is it? I'm too unclean. What is it you put in that I'm not enough of? Because I want you to know right below that, I want you to put the attribute or the name of God that is the fullness of your lack. What I mean by is, I want you to see that where you are not enough, God is enough in you and through you. And that you can walk out of here today instead of seeing this great divide that you're not able to know that it doesn't matter if I'm able to do it. I know that God has called me to do it so he will make me walk on water to get to the other side. He will split the seas so I can get to the other side. He will heal me of my affliction so I can get to his purposes and his plans. He will do his ability when my ability is not enough. That's the difference from taking your life and perspective of yourself 
and changing it so that the hero of the story is not you. God is the center of the story. And so if you will, I want you to know that if you don't know who God is, I'm sitting here talking about who God is. If you don't even know that start, that beginning to it all, you don't know who Jesus is and this is all just a bunch of words and it doesn't make sense to you, I want you to know they can change today. You walked in here not feeling confident in who you are, what God has called you to do. I want you to know you can choose today to walk out in confidence. It's all a matter of changing your perspective. It's all a matter of saying, God, I know I am not, but I know you. So my question for you today, do you know God? Do you know who God is? Because God knows you, and he wants you to be part of his plan. He doesn't want you to bring about your plans for your life. He wants you to join in on his beautiful story. He wants you to say, I am not, but I know I am. So will you bow your heads with me?